0: Welcome back to the Red Firm Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer. And today, I am here with my friend, Jeanette Bruce, who is uh, the Program and Marketing Coordinator for the Whistler Public Library. And she also does reviews for a special bookstore up in Whistler called Armchair Books. And I was lucky to have her on the podcast last year, And we had a great discussion about short fiction and fantasy, which is not my favorite genre, but she definitely opened my mind and had me thinking in a different way. And um, Jeanette also hosts a fantastic monthly book club through her library, which we, we will also talk about. So I wanted to say hello, Jeanette. How are you? Hi, Amy. I'm great. How are you tonight? I'm good. Um... So I see that you have something in your hand. What's in, what do you have in your hand there?
1: Yes, I do. And I, I just took my first sip of it. It's, and it's delicious. It is a, an Amaretto sidecar. Okay. So it's not a traditional sidecar. It's got a little yeah. twist on it to make it more uh, appealing to my personal palate.
0: <laughs> so I'm sitting here. She's having a sidecar. It's a Monday night and I'm having, I'd like to be joining her, but I've had a bad cold. You can probably tell. And I'm having lemon zinger tea with a bit of honey. So that's not not as exciting. But the reason, but tell us, okay, so not everyone will know this if they don't follow you. But um, she's not only a librarian. You're also into clothes. That's a whole other. That's a whole other thing we could talk about. True. But you, um, you like to mix drinks, and you'll do these like live videos, which I've seen you do.
1: So tell us about that. What's What's up with the drink mixing? Mm-hmm. In during during the pandemic, which of course is ongoing, uh, my my work at the library changed quite a bit. Um, I was lucky enough to work full time. The entire way through the pandemic. I mean, yeah. you know, I count myself very lucky for that. But um, the way that we offered programs and the times that we offered programs shifted around a little bit. And so I found myself with my Thursday evenings free. And so, and my partner works every Thursday night at the Whistler Museum. So I would always be at home uh by myself on Thursday evenings. And so I decided to start making cocktails live on Instagram. (laughs) I, I I wish I knew what inspired me specifically. I think the very first one I made was a French 75, um, which is still one of my very favorite drinks. It involves champagne and gin, um, two things that I love very much. Um, And I think that might've been Christmas 2020. So in, in fact, it wasn't in, it wasn't pandemic 2020. It was kind of the calendar year of 2021 when I started making these videos. But, you know, work is getting somewhat back to normal for me. So I haven't made as many recently, but I still really love cocktails and I genuinely enjoy and remake a lot of the ones that I made in my videos. Um, this, so. co- this cocktail, so... Um, and if you
0: get my newsletter, I have sent this out in my newsletter, and it has to do with one of the characters we're going to be talking about. So tell us about how this cocktail plays in this in the book, The Starless yes, Sea. Yes, ab-
1: absolutely. So um, Zachary Ezra Rollins is the hero of The Starless Sea, and um, every chapter about him opens with his full name, first, middle and last. So uh, Zachary Ezra Rollins, I can't think of him any other way, but mm-hmm. he he loves a sidecar, but he loves a traditional sidecar, which is made with cognac instead of amaretto. And he, even though, and only Amy can see this, but my drink has a sugared rim. No, it's uh, Zachary, it's beautiful, right? But Zachary takes his with no sugar. So that's, that's the difference between his and mine. His has cognac and no sugar. Mine has amaretto and has a liberal sugared rim because I have a sweet tooth. So, um, but that's, so that's kind of his go-to. We learned quite early in the book that that's his go-to cocktail. If nothing else on the menu, on the cocktail menu catches his eye, he will always go for a sidecar with no sugar. And it comes up throughout the book. Throughout the book.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, why don't we talk about the book? So and I'll, I'll tell you what the books are. We're going to talk about The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern, which is a fantasy book. And um, the second book, I'm not sure how we're going to classify this, but it's a book a number of you will have already read. It's a modern classic, and it's The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos um, Ruiz Zafon. So anyway, um, let's start with the first book. Uh, Jeanette, tell us about The Starless Sea and, and, and why you chose this book.
1: Sure thing. So, well, just like cocktails were a pandemic thing for me, The Starless Sea was also a pandemic read for me. In fact, it was one of the books that came home with me from the library on that very last day that we were in the building so um we we all did sort of a frantic you know check out as many books as looked interesting and take them home because we don't know when we'll be back in the building it has a pretty and cover I've seen that cover and the cover is attractive the well key. and I have to say I have the British oh. edition Oh, I've um, that cover and uh, don't worry Amy I'll send you some photos of this cover okay. um because I know the viewers, the, the listeners can't, can't see that cover, but you know, it's funny. I don't love the North American paperback cover. Oh. And cause it's different from the hardcover with the keys that you're describing. And so I asked my great friend, Jill, who lives in the UK to send me that UK edition. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. She does that. She humors me sometimes. Um, cause I legitimately do think that UK book covers appeal to me more often than the north american version i don't know why but the aesthetic <laughs> um yeah something about the aesthetic so this is this is my beautiful uk looks edition. like a
0: blue it looks like almost marble with marble a, with a, a, like a, a gold bee on it
1: a gold bee, and then the beautiful spine oh with yeah sword on it sword on it it's very nice so what's it's, the what's the book about tell tell
0: us what the book's about
1: Right. So Zachary Ezra Rollins, who we've who we've briefly met uh, already, he is a master student at a university. And he um, I mean, his degree program is hard to be believed because he his thesis is about video games. So a very uh, modern concept indeed. But he is a reader. He's a book lover. That's, you know, in his personal life, he devours books. Um, And in fact, the shadow of the wind is mentioned in the very first chapter about Zachary Ezra. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So um, I, I feel like he and I have a similar taste in books, which is definitely one part. One thing that drew me to him. But he so he is in his university library when he comes across a strange book that isn't really catalogued um, and it doesn't look like a modern book. It's very nondescript. um, And it also appears to have pages ripped out. Um, But what he can see is that uh, it is from a collection from the Keating Foundation. And so he brings it to his friendly neighborhood librarian, of course, and she does a little bit of digging and finds out that it's part of this huge donation of random books, um, from this mysterious foundation. Um, he starts reading this book, which funny enough is called, it's called, um, sweet sorrows. And, uh, he finds himself reading a story about himself. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so the, maybe the third story in this little really random book of fairy tales, is about a young boy, the son of a fortune teller, which he is. His mom is a a fortune teller. uh, You know, she does tarot. She does palm readings. It's about the son of the fortune teller finding a doorway in an alley and choosing not to open the door. And Zachary Ezra Rollins had that exact experience when he was about 10 or 11 years old. And so obviously he has to figure out where this book came from and how he ended up in it. And that's, I'll say no more in terms of my summary. I could, I could go on and on, but (laughs) that is the, that's the, the starting point for this, for this story.
0: And what, and so this is, this is a theme that also is in the shadow of the wind and in so many books, what's up with the book within a book story or the, um, a bookstore or a library. <laughs> readers can't get enough of that. and it
1: almost seems like a and you see it everywhere you you really do. I and and I think there's there must be something about kindred spirits, you know, um, knowing that a character in a book loves books as much as the reader, um, there's something that is immediately endearing about that. And of course, both of these books also contain, mysteries about books and that's really intriguing Mm -hmm. i mean uh, you know i i can't say i've ever encountered a a mysterious book like this but who knows maybe one day i will um and then of course another unifying factor of these two books is there is a a place where books are kept safe uh Yes. and and that is I mean you know technically all libraries and all bookstores are like sanctuaries right. <laughs> Um. as a non-religious person that's as close as I come to sort of a holy space right. Um. and b- both of these books have that as well a space where books are being protected and they have a protector like there's somebody who is watching over them um, there's something very comforting about that as well Um, I don't know if that's true of all readers but certainly that's true for me
0: I read um, I read a few reviews on the Starless Sea and um, a criticism and also a compliment is that the compliment is it says it's just gorgeous um, description like just magical like there's a there's some like a stag with candle candelabras and the in the antlers and just beautiful imagery. But then one person said it was almost a lot of imagery and some, some of the things weren't all tied together or it wasn't as deep as people wanted. Would mm-hmm. you, do you find that or?
1: I, I could actually uh, fully agree with both of those points. I, and, and I've been thinking about this since because I reread both of these books um, this month Oh, what a pleasure to reread books, by the way. I, it's, it is. Oh, I love you it. Get, you get, well, love you it. get different things. Like you yes, get. absolutely. But, you know, I would say, yes, number one, Erin Morgenstern's writing is so descriptive and lush and immersive. Um, but also, this book is not a traditional fantasy novel in the sense that the world building is left a bit, there are loose ends for sure. And um, there are mysteries and there are ellipses, you know? Um, And it's almost like thinking about that first book that Zachary finds with the ripped out pages. I almost picture The Starless Sea like that where she's, she's bringing together so many myths and stories and fragments that we just kind of have to go along for the ride. Um, I think fans of high fantasy, like Lord of the Rings, or even, you know, who we spoke about last, uh, last time N.K. Jemisin. Yeah. um, Just these masters of uh, world building. This is not that. (laughs) This, this is uh, foggy around the edges. It's, um, it is... more magical than structured, uh, more magical than concrete. And I can see how that would be hard for some readers. I totally, I totally get that. Um, yeah, for me, I just kind of have to let it wash over me and accept that not every loose end is tied up in a tidy bow in this book. But you love the imagery. It sounds like you love the, I, it's so evocative. I, I really feel like I can picture these spaces so vividly. And I think it helps, um, you know, the fact that um, the Starless Sea takes place partially in our world, in the real world, Mm. including places like New York City, where I've been, even if I haven't been to the exact street. Um, So that is very easy to, you know, um, conjure up. And then you are taken into this, world of the starless sea it's hard hard to articulate I get it it. and the starless sea is also a place in the book so um but it's almost Narnian in the way that you are in our world surrounded by familiar things and then you you open one of these mysterious doors and you're in the starless sea um like Alice in Wonderland it is very much like Alice in Wonderland or like Narnia or if you've read Lev Grossman's books, The uh, the Magician. Oh, yes. Um, th- another example of that sort of like uh, a port- portals into magical worlds that are seemingly just adjacent to our world at any time, but we just don't know how to get into them. Which, ooh, isn't that a delicious concept as well? I'd I like mean, to, I guess. I'd like to go there now. I'm kind of I know. bored. <laughs> oh, oh, you would love the Starless
0: Sea. <laughs> <laughs> okay let's let's move over and talk about the the next book the Shadow of the Wind and if you haven't read it you've for sure heard about this book um so Jeanette give us a quick summary what what what's this book about
1: absolutely so uh once again we have a young male protagonist in this case Daniel is our protagonist and <laughs> I'm probably not going to pronounce any Spanish words or names correctly, so apologies in advance. But um, Daniel is living in Barcelona in the 1940s, and he uh, lives with his father. His mother is no longer with them. Um, His father owns this, again, this wonderful bookshop. Oh, this shop that you just want to spend all day in. And when Daniel turns 10, he is... Sort of initiated into this secret society of book lovers. I don't think there's any other way um, to describe it, but his father takes him to this mysterious location um, called the Library of Lost Books. And Daniel is introduced to the gatekeeper, so to speak, um, and then he's allowed to enter this fantastic building. Um, and it really is, like I said earlier, a sanctuary for, in this case, lost or forgotten books. And he, you know, wanders the hallways, he wanders through the shelves. Um, he, You could get lost in this place very easily. And he's allowed to select one book. And the book that he chooses is called The Shadow of the Wind. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> ooh. And um, it's by this author that he's never heard of um his father's never heard of him and and so daniel goes on this journey again about a mysterious book um in this case instead of his friendly neighborhood librarian he goes to another um bookseller who's a little bit more familiar with like esoteric titles and and this gentleman immediately offers to purchase the shadow of the wind from daniel for a good amount of money um, but daniel obviously has good instincts about books. And so he doesn't sell it and he knows that it has to be kept quite safe. So yeah, the story unfolds from there about this mysterious book with a somewhat unknown author. And once we get into the story, a mysterious figure who desperately wants to get his hands on this book. And so...
0: Okay. So there's a bunch of questions, but the first thing, and we were chatting about this (laughs) over um, email, is this book about, is this a magic, magical book or not?
1: Okay. I, (laughs) I have decided that it's not. However, there's a major caveat, which is that it feels magical, right? Like, so I think it is magical. Oh, okay. And that's great. And you know, I, I don't think there's a definitive answer because even that library feels magical, right? Like yes. just, just the idea of it and the fact that it's it's seemingly endless and there are just books upon books upon books and you almost feel like every book that's ever been written is in there. So that's, there's something magical about that, right? Like inherently magical about books. <laughs>
0: It but just I, it does lots of dark. Like it kind of reminded me a little bit in terms of a of a grim fairy tale. Mm-hmm. A little yeah, bit, absolutely. And and those are always have very dark moments.
1: But. Yes, I I totally agree. And I think there's also, well, of course, we um, Latin American literature is sort of steeped in yes magical realism. Magical realism. And so exactly. So I think just going into this book, you assume it's going Mm -hmm. to be magical. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it feels mysterious and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it feels magical. So I was really like, when I reread this time, I was like, okay, okay, let me like, I, you know, it had a mental tick, tick above my gosh, what am I trying to say? A mental checklist, um, about, okay, is this, does this have a realistic explanation or is this moment magical
0: now another question i have this book in very many ways it's quite traditional it's it's like a gothic reads like a gothic novel and if you've seen the cover the cover i have this is the one i'm looking looking at Mm,
1: mine's slightly different Yours different
0: oh you've got that one but mine has got like um you know a guy on a street corner in the old part of barcelona and it's like he's got his collar up, and there's a street lamp, and um, it's 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 kind of gothic, mm-hmm. and and then it's a bit. I've read that it's been compared to Dickens mm-hmm. and Umberto Eco, and so this, in many ways, is not what you would consider fodder for a popular novel. But I consider this uh, it's a popular novel. So why? why do you think the average reader is so drawn to a book that in many ways is old fashioned or mm. more, liter- more, I don't know, literary is the right word, but it, you know, what, what, what's mm-hmm. up with this book? Why, why do
1: you think it's so popular? It's such a great question. And I will say the, per, the first person to um, recommend this book to me was a friend of mine who doesn't consider himself bookish. So it wasn't from a person who's like, I've read everything and this is the best. It was from a person who was like, I don't actually read a lot, but this really gripped me. Mm-hmm. And so so I had to give it a whirl. Um, and I think you're totally right that there are elements of the Gothic novel. And, you know, it's funny because uh, um, to, to mention another um, Gothic, contem- contemporary Gothic novel, Mexican Gothic is... Uh, really popular right now. Uh, yeah. We and we did it with our book club uh, in the fall, but I think I have to say, even though I liked Mexican Gothic, I think The Shadow of the Wind accomplishes more. It, it uh, embodies the the Gothic novel a little bit better than Mexican Gothic, in, in my opinion.
0: Well, so, in the, at the end of the day, you can't stop reading it. Like it's it just, you
1: just, cannot stop reading th- it. So
0: that's isn't that really what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I think, I think Daniel is is quite is a really good everyman mm. because he's yeah. sur- he's surrounded by interesting characters. That's like
0: David Copperfield. I just did something yeah. on that. He's really mm-hmm. there's really not much to. I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone around him is so fascinating. Yeah. And yeah, he's just like a normal person.
1: Yeah, totally. I, you know, personally, I actually feel the same way about Harry Potter. That's a tangent, but like, I think oh. he's pretty like. Vanilla? <laughs> Sorry. That's that's probably blasphemy to some people. but yeah, People might yeah. get upset. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, uh, let me know if you want to talk Good about book that. Good controversy. Maybe that's... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think Daniel is a great everyman. Um, it's easy to put yourself in his shoes and just mm. sort of take in all of... Because it, it's happening to him. You know, he sort of just ends up in this mystery um through this random set of circumstances and yeah he's he's surrounded by so many interesting people who have such interesting stories to tell and really that's the essence of the book it's like these different people helping to unravel the mystery by telling their part of the story
0: yes it's true and they do things like you know read letters and go Mm -hmm. back and it, it is it's really neat how it kind of unravels slowly but in a really mm-hmm. really interesting way. Um the other thing we wanted to talk about, it is not a great book for uh the way women are portrayed. And um do you wanna address that? Like,
1: yeah, totally. And oh isn't it such a drag <laughs> when mm-hmm. we have to have these conversations? But I have to say I no, I didn't read this book when it first came out, but it has been mm-hmm. about 10 years since I read it last. And I didn't remember that about it at all. But mm-hmm. of course, I think we're all different readers than we were. We even, read differently now. Even five years ago, even mm-hmm. two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is my only complaint about the book. It's that the, the female characters are very much just pawns in the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, only um, Nuria gets to have a sort of like, Mm-hmm. rich inner life mm-hmm. in the book and every uh, all the other women are love interests essentially mm-hmm. um and of course there are there are so many arguments you can make oh well the book takes place in the 1940s but it was written in the uh, 2000s. in the 2000s probably the spanish version was written in the late 1990s yeah. so it's you know yes it was still a different time but I yeah. I and and it's I think we grapple with that with almost every book we pick up these days. And um and so I think the fact that The Starless Sea is completely devoid of that feeling of like, ah, oh, you know, there's not really a female character for me to like relate to or right. um you know, I I just feel like I don't they're all one-dimensional, they all they're there to be a love interest. They're beautiful and tragic, and of course, that's As they very, are beautiful and tragic. Yeah, they and that's very gothic novel.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I
1: guess mission accomplished in that way. Um, but yes, I I think if I were um, recommending this book to somebody who, who is reading it for the first time, I don't know if I would want to mention that. You know, no, I see or or bring it up with them after, so what did you think about
0: <laughs> yeah, after well, after, yeah. um okay, so tell me, um what you've got this really great book club, and I've actually participated in it, and in fact, I couldn't believe it because in a, a normal book club, you know some people read a ton, some people don't read that much, some people struggle to get the book done. You have a giant book club and everybody is like read the book and has a million questions and it actually it went on forever. (laughs) It was like, and people have stuff to say. Really interesting. So tell me you, what book do you have coming out for April and, and can people get involved if they'd like to? And.
1: Definitely. So first of all, thank you. Um, It it is my, the book club is my absolute pride and joy. It's really good. (laughs) I was actually, I was intimidated. Like people are good. Well, I have them well-trained at this point. Of course, as you probably saw in the meeting that you attended, we've got people coming from Vancouver. We've got an attendee in Montreal who comes every time. We've got um, an American travel nurse who's in, like, a different state every time she comes to a meeting. Um, so, yes, it's open to everybody. We are definitely going to keep meeting in um, on Zoom uh, at least, I don't know, through the spring. Um, Because people genuinely enjoy it on Zoom and um, not that many people, we haven't lost that many people uh, to the, you know, virtual transition. Um, So April, uh, it's uh, Earth Day is in April. So we chose, or I chose, uh, Greenwood by Michael Christie for April. Um, And I will be totally honest and say I have not read it yet. Because this isn't actually April. We're recording it ahead of (laughs) time. Well, also, I will say that um, usually once a year, I take, um, I I call it Dan's pick. So, Dan is the owner of Armchair Books. Yeah. He's a very trustworthy book recommender. And so, Greenwood is sort of Dan's pick for this year. Um, So, I will, of course, be reading it. Before it, yes, but I have not picked it up yet. Um, but I'm really excited to to read it, and I actually have a friend who um, just finished it and enjoyed it so much that she started it again right away. Which wow, that's I think incredible! I've, right? I don't think I would do that. That's but that's interesting. It is pretty, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, he's. I also didn't realize this, but Michael Christie is his wife is Cedar Bowers, who wrote Astra. Um, which was on the Giller Prize um short list. Oh, I believe. Um, and I loved Astra. It was her first novel, and it was an incredible debut novel, totally off topic and totally not like the books we read today. Um, but a BC-based author. The story takes place in BC and it's really wonderful. So it's great. There's I'll a there's a random recommendation for you.
0: I know. Well, I will put um, information online or in my newsletter on how people can find out more about your book club perfect and um it's through the whistler public library and i just wanted to thank you so much for for coming back on and
1: well this has been an absolute pleasure i can't believe the last one was in was eight was it april of last year i know can you believe that i don't know where the time went
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyway i look forward to having you back again soon thank you so much thanks amy okay bye Thanks so much to Jeanette for joining us today on the podcast. And I wanted to mention, you can find her book club at uh, the Whistler Public Library. You can Google that online or I'll put the info in the show notes. One of the reasons why she started this book club, she said she was looking for a book club where people just want to talk about the book. And that's why they're coming together. And then they have formed some friendships through that. But that's kind of a good alternative for people because you might be surprised to hear I love my book club, but the primary reason that I love it is it's a form of connection and I love getting together with my friends and chatting. And I do like talking about the book, but it's really secondary to me, um, especially during this time and the connections first. So that's that's kind of a good alternative for people. Uh, and I just wanted to also uh, tell you to make sure to sign up for my newsletter if you don't know about it. Um, It's a way to get extra titles and I'll also kind of go behind what might have happened on the podcast that didn't air and um, just kind of give you some extra things to read and think about. So you can find my uh, newsletter at www.redfernbookreview.com and you'll see a button on the homepage uh, to sign up. Thanks so much and I will talk to you later.